listening to The Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Susie Warren-Smith. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be talking all things food and drink. So I'm here as usual with AJ Sharp, who is a taste expert. Hello. You do all the um, great taste awards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. However, today I want to um, I want to really get inside your PR expertise. Okay. Would you like to explain your role in PR? My role? What you actually do at the moment? <laughs> question I ask myself quite often. What do I actually do? I'm, I guess I'm a consultant. So when somebody comes to me, they've got a, maybe they're making a beer or a wine or a, any kind of food product. And they're saying, how can we grow? How can we get this into the hands of more people? We go away and we build a strategy and we build a plan and work with various different partners to really tell that story to more people. So when somebody says PR, which stands for public relations, I believe. That's right. It does. There's a lot of people who be a bit sniffy about it and say it's a bit fluffy and it's all mm, lovies and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) It's actually about it is about strategy. And ultimately, you know, you might say it's building a brand, but actually the, the end game is to sell more. Yes. The end game is to. And that's all that counts. Yeah. Exactly. I think that the reason PR has in the past been construed as being a bit fluffy is because in the past it was much harder to measure it, much harder to measure, you know, even though a publication has a certain amount of circulation, how many people have actually read it and are they the perfect people for you? But as, you know, the digitalization has come through in the media and so much more is now online, you can be so specific. You can really measure now who's reading, what they're clicking on, what they're seeing. We know so much more than we ever did before. But does um, does the number of people that might see something necessarily equate to how many people would buy it? I think it helps. I think more people see your product and they see it represented by somebody that they like and trust. The they more try it. They're more likely to try it. I yeah. mean... We used to work on a seven touches principle that every single consumer had to have had seven touches before they were likely to purchase. We reckon that's now gone up to sort of 14, maybe even 21 touches because there is so much more noise that you actually have to have that brand in front of somebody that many times, be it on a blog, be it in the news, be it on TV, radio, social media. So um, quite often with these programs, we'll have somebody who's been developing their brand or their product or they've got a hospitality venue and they'll come in and they'll bring us loads and loads of food that we can mm. taste. So we sort of use that as a thing in the middle to, to get the conversation going. Well, today I have two guests who bought nothing. I know. I nothing, can't believe it. Zero, nothing. I've never seen the table so empty. I know. Emma's dipping in her bag. Um, and the reason for that actually is we, we wanted to try and understand... How you get in front of people? What makes a story? Emma's got some polos. Oh, Don't worry, Susie. Emma's we're just fine. Got some polos on the table. That's good. Um, but, but you know, what does make a story? How how do you get your your message across? Um, and therefore, we've got uh, two amazing guests. Uh, we call our experts today. So that's Emma Lydiard of Global Media Group. Hi, Emma. Hello. We're hoping you know everything about the sort of you know, radio, outdoor, all that sort of media stuff that you can help us with. I'll certainly try and sound like I do. (laughs) Well done. Um, And we've also got Henry Jeffries, who's a freelance writer and editor, writes a lot about food and drink, food and drink brands. Is that correct? That's correct. You do. And just just reel off where where he writes, will you? Oh, well, we were just doing a little bit of research. Uh, You write for BBC Good Food, Spectator, Telegraph, Master of Malt. Yeah. Cool. So what we really want to get inside your brain is is 
when somebody comes to you with a story, what is it that you go, no, that's not a story I'm not going to write about. That's just way too boring. Or, or you know, what would suddenly sort of go, like, that's really interesting. I, you know, I want to go Or do that. they come to you or do you decide? Well, a, a really good example would be actually one of someone you're working with at the moment, your um, All Sops beer. Oh, yes. That's one of yours, isn't it? Mm. And that's, that's a really good story because it was All Sop was the original India Pale Ale was once the biggest brewery in the maybe biggest brewery in Britain, biggest in the world. It was a huge brand, gradually disappeared, and now someone from the family, Jamie Allsop, always wanted to resurrect it, and he's got the old recipes, and he's brewing the old family beer again. So it's a really good story. You can tell the story of the past. It's got amazing branding, so they use. So it, it's it's a story that really really works. And it's about people. And it's about and it's about beer. I mean, yeah. like you beer know, and people. Beer and people, my two favourite things. Yeah. So that works really really well. What doesn't work quite so well is what you get with a lot of gin brands where they go, we found great uncle Bulgaria's old, you, know, you, have, you have these shaggy dog stories about yeah. an old recipe passed down through the generations. And, I've, and you're sort of like, well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but it feels like so many brands have a very contrived story. So it has to be a genuine, authentic, authentic story. That, that, that yeah. really helps. And, and um, I, I was always sort of taught that, that, if you go to a pub, right, and, and you tell somebody something and it's like gossip, like it's really interesting, you can't wait to tell somebody else, that's what a PR story is. It's not what we used to call grip and grin. It's not a photograph with somebody shaking hands with somebody with a product like that and and it's like we've just launched this. That's not a story, is it? Not for me, no, no. A lot of the time you'll have a, an email about somebody's new marketing campaign. So they'll be like, we're doing a marketing campaign with posters and we've done a digital thing, which I don't understand. And it's like, that's what you're doing. That's not actually, I'm not interested in what you're doing. I'm interested in a story for the, the that, as you said, your kind of a proverbial man down the pub yeah. might, might share with his friends. So, so I, I, I've sort of been in marketing most of my life. And uh, once I used to work in this place, I won't name it because I got myself into right a bunch of trouble. But, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things we were doing is how, how do we stop fast food litter? You know, so you can say to people, you know, press release, send it out to everybody, you know, food litter. Can you not drop food litter, please? <laughs> you know, that's not really going to do anything. So, right, let's get some stats because news people quite like statistics. You know, food things gone up, food waste has gone up, food litter, sorry, it's gone up by blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, still not enough. Right. So the food litter epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> even better than that. Even better than that, Henry. So we're going, I know it's it's absolutely responsible for the, the huge increase in the rat population. Oh, <laughs> bang. Got it. Got it. People have an absolute fear of rats. It's an inbuilt uh, historic so. thing. Uh, so, yeah, let's do loads of stuff with rats everywhere. And the fact that there's, you're never more than two metres from a rat which we did make up. You made that stat up, didn't did, you? Yeah. I've heard that so yes. many times. I know, but I just made so, it up. So would you say that PRs are lying? Is, is, that, what, is that what you're basically <laughs> admitting? This oh, is like, not PR. Oh. This was marketing. Oh, marketing's lying. <laughs> PR is exaggerated. Yeah, I just get, got what you said there. Yeah. Okay. You probably shouldn't lie anyway, but we t I probably insinuated that. Let's yeah. say that. But but the link of that to rats and, and the fact that people then go, oh, yeah, I never used to see rats and now they're like this. And when we managed to get some incredibly ridiculous um, um, expert to say that the way the rat population is going, they're getting bigger and bigger. And if it keeps going like that, they're going to be the size of cats and dogs walking down the street. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> um, so so uh, I, I know that's completely over the top, but but that becomes a story. 
people linking into that and the fears of that. And you go, that is and, also and that's marketing, though. If you're talking about suddenly people were seeing more rats because you'd put that idea into their head, Possibly. then that's part of their brain. Yeah. That's called the reticular cortex. So it's the that's the idea about advertising working when you are particularly in the market for something. So you can ignore adverts for X amount of time. But as soon as you happen to think, I'm going to look at that like the washing car, machines you suddenly see them everywhere. But you know, yeah. it's yeah. that that's the, the stimulation yeah. of the of the marketing, yeah. but it's just actually stimulating that part of the that part of the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean this this is obviously completely over the top and it's not about product. It's about trying to change people's behaviour. But AG, surely the, the 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 thing about product is exactly the same. You've got to have a story that 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 makes sense. And as Henry says, if you've got a backstory, it has to be authentic and not the same as everybody else's. It has to be authentic. I mean, we talk about this a lot, putting together founders' stories for people and helping them to tell that story. Nearly everyone has their why moment, don't they? Yeah. If you follow Simon Sinek and all that, everyone has that. Why did you? You know, we met the lovely Nikki Clark from Renourished and she discovered her husband had cheated on her and <laughs> run off with her best friend and she started this. She wanted soup to get company. back at him, like, oh, go, oh, I was right behind yeah, him. I'm, so, I'm buying a soup. <laughs> but the affinity on that story is sky high, isn't it? Because you just immediately warm to this lady of what she's done and then she the said I wanted to see I wanted to see all my adverts up in lights so that he would be really pissed off and and you know i wanted some some type of revenge to prove that i i could exist on my own and i could do things myself and i oh yeah I, i'm signing up for that did she do gazpacho though yes it meant to be yeah. revenge is a dish best served cold oh, oh. Why there's we, a marketing why campaign did we, why did we have her you're here? good at this aren't you Emma? i can tell <laughs> not only that but with global you could probably yeah. buy a billboard outside her ex you could have a billboard leaking soup if you wanted to <laughs> special build it's all doable and the bus stops shouting at him yeah. as he walks by. Exactly. You can fire digital ads only to uh, be played near a certain location, i.e. his house, and, oh, and only to go through his car radio when he's near going it. by one of her posters. Or well, We'll come on to that in a minute, obviously. <laughs> That's not why we should be doing this. Um, but, but Henry, going back to, to you know what you were saying earlier, um, you can also take control of your own messaging by having a blog or, or, or putting out your own messages, can't you? So I know you do a little bit of that for, for Masters of Malt. So how do you how do you sort of keep creating stories when, when say Master of Malt was your business, I know it's not, but and then you had to con constantly come up with new stories, at, you know, all the time about yourself in a blog. H how do you do that? Where, where do you sort of go for inspiration? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, I don't really, for, for, for Master of Malt, not, the, the blog isn't about Master of Malt, it's right. about whiskey. And yep. there's always something going on in the whiskey world. So that's so, and my, my blog's about alcoholic drinks. So there's always something going on in the alcoholic drink world. So, so from my point of view, it, my blog isn't. And those sort of blogs tend to be the ones that don't last very long. You know, when people have a personal story, they start writing it, get to a bit, get out and, they, and then they just go, oh. yeah. but if you write it, if you're, if you're covering a subject and you're a expert or you know, self proclaimed expert on the, on the subject, then, you know, there's, sort of infinite material. And do you out. think then that the public particularly want to learn things and therefore it's much better to do that than just to keep pumping out the brand name all the time? It's like, well, I know if I go there, I'm going to find out about, you know, a world I'm really interested in that's been well-researched and is interesting. And yeah, well, enough. I think if you get, you know, you have the right public. So, for example, with Master of Malt, whiskey fans are very interested in whiskey mm. and you can't really get too nerdy about whiskey but then i think other people other groups just want to be entertained and if you try and educate them or you know educate such a sort of such a such a terrible word but it, you know they'll just switch off so you have to you know with whiskey fans you can go down that 
rabbit hole that to non-fans would seem incredibly boring. But I yeah. think most people just want to be amused. And if you're writing uh, for, you know, the BBC and Spectator and Telegraph, uh, people like that, um, do do you get, you know, press releases that come to you? Do you get emails saying, can you write about my stuff because you've got a certain credibility? Does, does that happen all the time? I, I don't know about whether they say I have a certain credibility. But they, they do. But they do. I do get a lot of press releases and a lot of them, most of them, I'm afraid, go in the proverbial bin. But so why would, why would it? you have a bad press release what what is a bad press release for you well it's one i suppose the sort of most common thing is where they say our owner our person who set up our founder he's very passionate she's very passionate they have a passion for this they've always had a passion for this and, that, and that's the sort of number one kind of switch off thing because you know if you haven't got passion what you're doing yeah, start, yeah. <laughs> and then i'm afraid to say the other one unless there's actually something behind it, is sustainability. So then they go, oh, we've got this new brand, it's very sustainable. And it's like, unless they're doing something interesting or unusual or, you know, that actually does something, then I'm not very interested in that either. Mm. So I sort of try, those are my two kind of yeah. bet noirs. But there has to be something behind it. And a lot of the time with some of, some of these brands, you think you didn't need to send a press release. You're just sending that because you're being paid to send that. Right. Um so there's you know there's nothing there's nothing for me to get my teeth into. So so how do you cut through um, um, AJ? Because literally somebody in you know in Henry's position will get dozens of those a day, and then just don't, simply don't have time to look at them. How, how do you stand out? Just I think think about trick, rats. Well, think really. about rats. No, well, um, I think the trick and is not the sense to send the same thing to everybody for a start, but is actually to have read somebody's blog or or, or column or whatever it is. And to actually understand what floats their boat. Because if you read back two or three weeks, months, you will see. They'll tell you what they like and what they don't like. They'll tell you what they're interested in and not interested in. And then you can tailor, if it's appropriate, your pitch around that. So just sending a blank uh, press release to loads of people, that's just lazy, basically. Yes, Very it is. Lazy. And you'll spot that a mile off. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's the sort of cut and paste school. And there's some PR people who have wonderful clients. And you just want to say to the clients they're letting you down because they send so much crap that when there is something good i don't see it because you already it's, it's lost yeah um whereas people really people like aj there's some wine pr people who just when they've got something good some people phone me you know but actually that's not a bad thing to do if they've got something very interesting yeah give me a call and that's actually you know i'm quite mm. flattered by that sometimes yeah and you can't phone someone if you haven't got a good story because it's just the most cringy <laughs> conversation in the world. And, I, yeah. I, you know, as a grad in PR, I remember it only too well. And now you only phone if you know it's absolutely on the money. Yeah. So, Emma, if we can just um, turn to uh, the Global Media Group, um, can you just briefly explain the sort of massive outreach that, that, that it has for a start? And then we, I'd like to talk about some of the elements inside it. Yeah. OK, so Global Media Group now uh, reaches about 95% of the population every week um, across three main pillars. So the outdoor advertising world, which is you know, what you might imagine, roadside, uh, the buses, airports, um, national rail, um, TFL, metros, tubes, trams, etc. Um, digital, so digital display, but also digital audio um, and all the uh, digital capabilities that, uh, that, that 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 brings with it. But um, adding the audio side to it, and then um, radio, which was sort of where we where we started. So um, radio brands, which um, hopefully you will have heard of, but anything from Capital to Heart to LBC to Classic FM, Smooth Radio X, etc. So um, multi-platform and uh, and great for. All those different touch points we talked about because, you know, a, a day in the life of uh, somebody who 
who interact with with global brands or engage with global brands, it does make that message a little bit easier to get across rather than becoming wallpaper in in one sort of repetitive so way. Would, so would we be able to come to uh, you guys and say, uh, we're not actually sure what would be good for us, but we've got some stats here and whatever. Should we be on the tube in London, you know, as, as opposed to sites? Uh, or should we be doing radio advertising? Or should we? W- would you help somebody with that type of strategy? Or are they, are they expected to have come to you with that already? No, completely. I think probably prefer prefer the, the blank page. And uh, and I think a lot of people perhaps try and do too much before they before they come. And, and it might be intimidating as well because, you know, things, especially with radio, people find that quite hard to understand how that works. So um, a lot of the inquiries that we get, people come and they ask for something specific you know or they might have just seen a poster site example um and what we have to do is really just go back a step and say okay tell me why you why you want that and then let's uh, let's examine that but really in terms of all we ever need to know is um who who do you want to talk to what do you want them to do and why should they do it uh, which crosses over with the story the pr you know actually why you as opposed to anybody else but if you know the answer to those three questions then we can talk to you about recommendations there because with the different platforms we've got, we can be as local as five kilometres around a postcode or we can be national or international even. So, you know, there's lots of different So, AJ, would somebody like your, you know, your company actually work on somebody with a brand, which which is, I guess is what Henry's saying, you go, right, what's what's the story? What are you about? What's underpinning? You know, what's your values? What's your message? You know, Mm da-da. Would you work with them on that first? Because they can't go to somebody like Emma or Henry unless they have that Surely they've got to have that Absolutely. Or, or they're just wasting their time, really, if they if they haven't. I, I completely agree with you. It's it's something that you can't retrofit a strategy after you've already started to do things. And I think it's making sure that you are really clear as the business owner, because no one can tell you right or wrong at this point, your why, who, what you stand for, who you are as a business. And, and you know, that ethical, yeah, like you say, your values, what value you bring and what values you have as a business is very important. That you've got that clear, your mission and all of that. And then you go to somebody like Emma, who's got my understanding is that the insights and the data that you have about target demographics is really second to none. Yeah, Yeah. as soon as you tell us who it is that you're targeting, then we start to talk about the insight we've got, which is huge, you know, and I think you might just assume broadcast is just about hitting lots of people and and quite a lot of wastage. But actually, when we start talking about the data we've we've got access to, it might be quite scary, so I won't. But, you know, really, we can pick out very specifically um, audiences and then the best platform and the best area. And also, so, of course, it doesn't matter how much you spend on a marketing campaign. If you haven't got the branding right or if you haven't got the right thing to say within that advert, then none it's of it's going to work. So, yeah. you know, we have to and we do have people come to us without their brand sorted out. And, and we have to push back. You know, we might try and do some of that that work with themselves and just go, look, you know, it is this. You have to keep saying, so what, so what, so what, until it until mm-hmm. it resonates, I think. Um, but I also, think that's a good way of saying it. So what? Yeah, I know. But it always yeah. sounds a little bit rude. But uh, you have, no, no, to, but you have I, to, that's to pretend saying, to be in the market. Isn't it, Henry? You know? is, is, is so what? Yeah, what, so, what does that mean to me? And that's when, and once you get to that, so what moment? That's that is the that's your sort of call to action in the ad. You know, why it's a, why should I why should I do that as opposed to your competitor? And you know, listening to Henry talk about stories and things, it's it, what makes that difference to me is well, you couldn't put someone else's logo in that ad it, and it work. It, it has fits. to be only about you. Yeah. Mm. So say um, say I get some data. You know, I've I've got my brand sorted. I've got a compelling story. 
um, I, I come to you, uh, you've got some data and you go, do you know what? That is just right for LBC, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, radio. How, how do you then create an advert, say, and, and what length should it be? And, and how does that work? Um, well, we would generally just take all of that um, for you. So depending on how much work you want us to do. So, you know, sometimes we'll come up with a whole concept, which is, uh, you know, an idea which can work across different platforms. It might be that we're going, it might be that you've already got different platforms sorted and we are only talking about um, LBC. And then we'll look at the, um, you know, the, the, the brief that you've given us. Um, it's quite simply, if you were just going to buy an advertising campaign, um, we'd be able to look into the LBC audience and actually understand what sort of times of day would be would be the right times oh, of so day. So you can really absolutely pinpoint. So you can. You, these type of listeners are definitely going to be listening around but about I think, these sorts of times. I think or? realistically people overthink that and people will, okay. often with radio, they'll think, people listen the way they do perhaps or you know and, and actually pandemic's been a great example of actually you know a lot of people come to us and say I want to be in breakfast and drive because that's where I think everyone will hear the adverts and and actually if you look at the if you look at the listening the radio listening across 24 hours you realize only 30 percent of your impacts are achieved in breakfast and drive so you should have 30 percent of your ads there because actually yes, you know course. why would you keep talking to the same audience when you actually could reach a lot more because yeah. ultimately do you want to reach a hundred people ten times or do you want to reach a thousand people five times you know it's it's just sort of playing with those kind of so we would give all of that advice and also would you would you help us create the ad yes well? so we would we got a team of um creatives um who then would would Write the, write a script based on the on the brief that you've given us. We would then come back to you, present that, and say, right, does this work? You know, do you like do you like the sound of that? Have we got everything right? There might be some tweaks and changes, um, and then we would talk about what kind of voice. Because the beauty about about radio is how much of a brand personality you can get across. You know, it's not two dimensional. It's not print. Uh, it's not you know word on a piece of paper, on a piece of paper. You've got music. You've got humour. You've got the style of voice. You've got the pace of the advert. You've got all of this personality before you even say one word you know so you can talk about the voice you can talk about the kind of music and, and that could even line. be an accent you could say actually I really want a Brummie accent well yeah I mean there's, it, there's some, I don't there's, know if it's this brand no there's, there's I'm good examples no but, but you but can just, there's really good yeah. examples of you know or, or we just change accents depending on if it's a national campaign and um, then maybe we should have the right accent up in Scotland versus a different accent down in the west country you know to, to make that mm. uh, resonate or, or, or you know and also because you want people to like the brand um, and you've got to have the right accent for that and or there might be people that actually, if you want to hit hard with a brand and you want to become famous quite quickly, then borrow someone else's fame. And that's when you suggest a celebrity voice. So mm. you will hear some adverts where you've got famous voices. Like Boris. And you have to, well, Boris maybe, I'm not sure what, what he could <laughs> advertise. But, but, yeah, but, um, but, you know, that, that's the, uh, that's the, <laughs> no, not. Um, but, you know, that actually finding, you know, then we would look at our sort of bank of, of celebrity voices and actually go, okay, based on what you say you want this brand to be, although it's not well known enough yet, if you just go on the back of somebody else who's already that, you can do that overnight. You can buy a brand overnight wow. if you've got enough money. Um, but there are lots of different ways um, to, to do that over time as yeah. well. And and uh, when we come to print, so, so again, with you know, with Henry, he'll, he'll have somebody that's going to read something in depth, uh, presumably. That's not as easy when you've just got one poster, which is, which is quite small uh, and... Do you think people are too tempted to put too much information on? Uh, uh, I think 
print is really difficult. It's, it's well, again, that's what that's where we're here to advise. And you know, and you've got so many different shapes and sizes, and so many rules, rules and regulations that come with it, especially with food and drink. Unfortunately, you know, there's all sorts of regulations around the. Um, so you HFSS. can't claim something. No, you uh, certainly can't claim yeah. on anything. But you know, with with print and especially with TFL, you've got to be careful about what foods you're promoting, how much sugar, you know, the things they've got, and even pictures of foods. You have to be you have to be very careful on rules and regulations. Is that going to be within a hundred meters of a school? All sorts of things like wow. that. So we would do all that advice. You've got to think about an advert which looks great to you, but then picture it on the back of a bus when you're 20 yards behind it. Yeah. No, don't put the small print in. You know, you've got to make that impact in the right way. Where does your eye start? Where does it start? Where, should, where should the logo be? What should be the last thing that you see? And again, God, we, we do all of that. Somebody to sort that out for you, really. Yeah, yeah. My head explode. I wanted to ask Henry if that's all right. You, as a freelance writer, you obviously write for lots of really lovely different publications. And I would imagine that the editors of each of these different publications have very different requirements from you for the different types of articles that you submit and you pitch. What process do you kind of go through when you're deciding, oh, yeah, that's absolutely perfect for BBC Good Food or no, that's much more Telegraph? Yeah, I don't really know. Um, I suppose it it sort of depends whether it for BBC Good Food, the stuff I write is quite straight. So it's you know, rosé, summer, here's some rosés, you know, wine. We love, we love Mary Berry, Berry, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very, you know, yeah. very uh, very straightforward. And that's, that's quite a straightforward one. Um, and BBC Good Food, obviously, food magazine, mm. so it will lead on food. The things that I write for, so the spectator or, or the critic, tend to be more out of that food and drink sort of ghetto. So there has to be an angle about it that makes it... Um, I suppose a bit more journalistic, a bit more, a bit more like a, com- a sort of comment piece. Mm. That's so. So it, it really depends on or more investigative, or, sort of. No, no, not investigative. More, more sort of um, um, an, an opinion piece. Right, so it's yeah, so yeah. it's sort of here's me. I think wine is terrible because something. <laughs> I suppose a really good example would be. I didn't actually bother writing it in the end, but but I was I, I, all the kind of Boris parties and stuff. I was oh, yeah. looking at what they were drinking. I Did was you? To an article on what they were drinking at the uh, number ten lockdown. It wasn't parties. Corona beer, I assume. It was like sort of Tesco Prosecco and things oh, like that. Okay. In the end, it was just it was <laughs> so it was so boring. I, I couldn't work out how to get an article out. Of it. Uh, how to but that's the kind of thing that I would do for. Yeah. yeah. Um, News magazines. It would yeah. be a funny take on anything drink, food or drink related that's in the news. And it's topical. Yeah. yeah. So unbelievably, the programme's nearly come to an end. Can't believe that. Um, I've just wanted to quickly ask about social media and, and you know, digital. Uh, can, just in a nutshell, what should people be considering in the food and drink sector that you think that particularly works? This is where you guys come in and, and it's about adding value um, to the experience. So, you know, whether whether it's educated or entertainment, it's it's what engages somebody and, and everybody's got their, their different uh, their different pressure points, haven't they? But I think if it's if it's if you're going to have something which adds value to the reader or, you know, to that person experiencing it, then, you know, be generous with your content and um, and then they will keep coming back. So, you know, we in terms of how we have to keep people engaged because there are so many different distractions and you've got to do something which isn't just an advert it's got to be so, so almost like henry's saying you know he, he will write about whiskey because he knows there's a whole readership that will engage yeah. with that and presumably they'll comment on it as well and and, and you, there'll be an interaction there and that's what mm. you're after i think the rules of social media are very are very different in terms of the context you've got to think of the speed that people are scrolling through mm-hmm. what's going to catch their eye how many words are necessary are they going to share it how do they react to it you know and all of these things you've got it's, it's the very different ball yeah, I mean, having been sort of in marketing for like 30, 35 years, uh, uh, the, the 
the principles haven't changed for me. If you don't have a story and you've got something to say, it doesn't matter what the mediums are. You can yeah. you can go on TikTok and do whatever you like, but it's, it's still not going to work. Yeah. And, and I think you need expertise now, uh, you know, like Emma's uh, organisation to help you choose what that channel is. Mm. We've been really preachy. Actually, I know, I thinking know. On this show. I would, I would <laughs> just, just say one thing. It's just, it would be try and do something different. You know, yeah. if everyone is saying this, say the opposite, you know, just look yeah. at what everyone else is doing and just think, how can I do something as different to that as possible. Yeah, nice. I agree with that. Especially as I'm going old age, I'm just being more and more contrary. <laughs> no comments there. Thank you, Emma. Um, thank you so much to our experts today. Henry Jeffries, a freelance writer and editor. Look out for all his stuff. We'll give you a link to some of his most amazing articles. We can do that. Amazing. We can do that. Yeah. Amazing Not articles. the bad ones. Not the bad ones. Um, and thank you to Emma Lydiard. I know you're very busy in the Global Media Group. We really appreciate you coming just oh, explaining how it all works because it does feel sometimes like it's a bit of a dark art and it isn't. Mm. You need to sit down get somebody to help you. Um, and again we'll give some links to Global Media and some of the amazing radio stations and other things that they do. So thank you very much. Um, as you know we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield as well as being available on every single thing you can possibly imagine like Audible, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, thanks, AJ. Thank you very much. It's something me. passionate. Uh, we're, we're quite passionate about, isn't it? Yeah, very subject. excited about business. Mm, very excited. Well, we haven't got any food to eat, so I'm just going to end the programme and um, we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.